0: Welcome to the Gut Doctor Podcast, where Dr. Neil Parikh describes GI disorders and answers common questions related to the GI tract. Please note this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. We hope you enjoy. So inflammatory bowel disease is a chronic condition that affects patients of all ages. It can be further classified into Crohn's disease or ulcerative colitis. I know in prior episodes, I've met spoken with colleagues, dietitians, and delved into these diagnoses before in therapies to whether you talk about fitness, exercise, or pharmacotherapy. Sometimes we talk from the patient perspective, sometimes we talk from the provider perspective. But for today's episode, we're gonna to try to recreate an, an initial IBD patient encounter. In other words, what should you, the patient, be asking your gastroenterology provider after you have been told you have inflammatory bowel disease? And to help us with this, I get to welcome back my friend, Dr. Jenna Koliani-Pace. The gut doctor is now go-to IBDologist.
1: Thanks for having me back. Um, I felt like last time our chat was so focused towards the provider that it might be nice for us to talk about and put us in the patient seat. You know, there's common questions that all of us get that might be fun to answer together.
0: All right, sure. So I will be the patient. And let's just see how this kind of plays out. All right, so I just had my colonoscopy, you know, last week, two weeks ago, that showed inflammatory bowel disease. And today is my first follow-up visit. Doctor, what is inflammatory bowel disease?
1: Yeah, this is the great starting point. And I usually just start by describing what these diseases are. First off, they're autoimmune diseases. So translating that is... um, for many reasons, we don't fully know why you got this, Um, but your body's immune system has somehow altered and decided to attack or inflame your intestines. And I think the biggest thing that I often see is people have been like, what did I do to myself? Like they can't be, you can't have guilt for this. This is nothing that you did. Um, But the other challenging part about this is that this isn't like getting an infection where you're going to be better in two weeks or so after a course of antibiotics, these are really lifelong diseases and they often need lifetime medications.
0: I think you just hit on the two agree most common first encounter points. One people say, what did I do? What did I eat? Did I, what did I take? What, you know? And the second th- the question is, okay, well, so how long do I take a medication for, or when will this go away? So, I think you should answer both those right there. If, if yeah, I, definitely. If I were, um, you know, we we have lifelong medications, lifelong diseases. The next fall probably ends up being what is the difference between Crohn's disease and ulcerative colitis?
1: Yeah, and and I really wish that the answer was like very dichotomous like that, but it but it really isn't very black and white, and often patients are in the gray zone. Um, so I here's kind of my take on things, is that there really are times where it's clearly Crohn's disease and there's times where it's clearly ulcerative colitis. But really the way that I approach things is thinking about these two diagnoses on a spectrum. So you put Crohn's disease on one end, ulcerative colitis on the other end, and great, there are people who fit into those two buckets, but there's so many people who are in the middle. And that's where I say that this is really a, a spectrum. And to be honest with you, The medical community in the GI world doesn't make things easy for people. Our terminology is really confusing. Here's a perfect example. We often label Crohn's disease by where it's located in the intestines. So if you have Crohn's disease that only affects your colon or your large intestine, we call that Crohn's colitis. Well, that sounds a whole lot like ulcerative colitis. So doc, I have colitis, but which one do I have? It's really confusing for people.
0: It's true. Yeah. So often they when I tell patients like, well, so I have colitis. I'm like, well, no, you, you know, so let's, let's call it Crohn's disease for the purpose of today's episode. I have Crohn's disease. What do I have to worry about?
1: Yeah, this is a, this is a great question. And, and there's two different people here, right? We have me as the doctor or you as the doctor worrying about all the medical things that we have to worry about, but, Oftentimes that's different than what patients worry about. So this is where I encourage those listening to really make your major concern for the appointment known at the beginning. And that's where I try to start all of my appointments um, with patients. You know, there's so many times where I can remind myself of the patient saying, But Doc, all I really care about is not having an accident walking down the aisle at my wedding, or you know, what what can I eat, sort of things, or am I going to pass this along to my kids? And those are the questions you want to start with, rather than oh, hey, we're going to see a follow up appointment in three months, and then that's when the question comes out. You really want to dedicate a lot of time to these people. And I like that.
0: Yeah, I like that. I think it's almost you almost have to look at inflammatory bowel disease, kind of like when we make. You know more serious diagnosis like cancer diagnosis where you can't just give somebody a cancer diagnosis and then go into the algorithm how you're going to manage it but you need to because it's another long lasting life altering condition. So you have to really pause and tell them, hey, you know, you're going to be okay at your wedding or you know what with you do with your children. So um oh, I was Yeah sorry. I think
1: that's re- yeah. I think that's huge. You know, during my IVD fellowship I got the opportunity to be a part of this. National Quality Improvement Project as a part of the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation, and we started with these questionnaires. And the time and time again, patient feedback—the top of the questionnaire—was my biggest concern for today's visit. And I really kind of took that from the initiative into my, you know, daily community practice.
0: Yeah, I may steal that from you. I'm going to add that to my little art uh, algorithm here. So now let me go. I, I've been I've been failing myself. Let me go back as a patient here. So. Okay, I'm going back to being the Crohn's disease patient. Does this mean my kids or siblings will be at risk? Uh, Should they go ahead and get tested for Crohn's disease?
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's one of the most common questions, and I really wish it was simple. Like These diseases aren't as simple as, you know, I have brown hair. What are the chances that my kids are going to have brown hair? There's a lot of different genes and environmental factors at play. But if I had to put numbers on things, really, it's only about one in six people diagnosed with IBD we'll have a relative who have it as well. And then let's look at identical twin studies. So people who have the same genes, same environment, what are the chances of, you know, if one twin has Crohn's disease, what's the chances of my twin also having Crohn's disease? And actually it's about the flip of a coin. It's only about 50% chance. That just tells you how complex these diseases are. And for ulcerative colitis, it's even less of a genetic factor, And that factor is only about 6%. So while the risks are overall low, is what I tell my patients, they're still higher than the general population. So, you know, if your kids have symptoms or if your, your siblings have simples, symptoms, don't just say, oh, it's nothing. Get them investigated earlier than other people who might not have this family history.
0: So taking a step back, Doc, can I even have kids?
1: Yeah, this is one of my like favorite questions that, that I get. And, you know, I have, I found so many people are afraid to this, ask this question. And I start off just by saying, yes, it's the almost always the answer is yes. There's a few exceptions that we won't get into now. And that really should be a talk with your your doctor who knows your case well, but for women in particular, we know that the most important thing to having a happy, healthy baby and pregnancy is all related to controlling the amount of inflammation present, oftentimes at the time of getting pregnant. If we are proactive, we know ahead of time, uh, you know, what? one of the things I particularly do with, with my female patients is making sure to be aggressive with medications to control that inflammation. Um, is the most important thing. Um, for men it's, it's a lot simpler than that. And that could be a whole different discussion that I'm going to kind of just bypass right now, but the answer is almost always. yes.
0: Okay. So I know what the risk lies to my family. I know family planning wise, what I do need to do. Uh, I'm now on treatment for Crohn's disease, ulcerative colitis, and I'm feeling better. How often do I need to have a colonoscopy? How if I need to get lab work done? Um, how often do I have to see you?
1: Yeah, those are all great questions that are going to obviously have to be personalized, but I'll give you kind of a typical scenario. So, again, my general rule of thumb is that after starting a new medication for ulcerative colitis or Crohn's disease, people often get a colonoscopy about six months later. This is where I say seeing is believing. And, and that's really because oftentimes the amount of inflammation we see on the inside doesn't mirror how people feel. Um, so sometimes people feel fantastic, but then you do a colonoscopy and you're surprised that people feel so well The inside the inflammation is really quite bad. And and you worry that people are just quote unquote, a ticking, um, you know, it's just time before there's going to be having symptoms. And that's where we want to be, you know, aggressive with our medications, getting things under control as, as best we can. Um, and then other times people feel lousy and their intestines aren't healed or their intestines are healed. There's no ulcers there, there's no inflammation. And these two scenarios really are different, and people you know need to kind of consider those two scenarios on how best to treat you. Now that's just responding to therapy, but we know our patients with Crohn's and ulcerative colitis, if it involves your large intestine or your colon you get cancer of the colon more likely than people who are just coming in for routine screening. So for people without IBD, the way to get colon cancer is often through a polyp and taking polyps off, decrease your risk of developing colon cancer. But for IBD, it's really not that simple. Um, They can get these flat areas that have precancerous changes and things can look different. So they require colonoscopies
0: more often. So for our listeners who are who are tuning in, you know I'm talking with Dr. Coliani Pace, our IBD specialist on the Gut Doctor podcast. And if you have Crohn's disease or ulcerative colitis, and it's been a few years since you've had your last colonoscopy, you probably need to talk to your gastroenterology provider. Um, is there blood work or lab tests that I, as the Crohn's patient or UC patient, will get every so often?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Some of that depends on what medications you are. So we have to kind of tailor that, but in average, on average things that we usually like to make sure of is making sure people aren't anemic, making sure that whatever medication they are, isn't irritating their liver. And there's a couple of medications or a couple of blood tests. And I'll talk about a stool test um, that measure the amount of inflammation. You know, there's this thing called the C-reactive protein that can be elevated. Um, And it's sometimes helpful, but not everyone with IBD causes this to be elevated and things like the pneumonia or another infection can cause it to be elevated as well. Um, But the test that I like a lot is doing something called the fecal calprotectin. So it's a, unfortunately, you know, it's a stool based test. So people have to go to their local lab, pick up a stool kit, you know, go home, have a bowel movement at home and bring that stool kit back. Um, You know, when comparing between a colonoscopy and that. People would prefer that over the colonoscopy, from what I'm told.
0: Okay. So there's blood work, there's stool testing, there's the colonoscopy or so often. Other than doing my best thing on my treatment and being mindful, you know, of my dietary and fitness habits, which as a side we've discussed on other episodes, are there other maybe non-GI factors that I should be aware of? Should I be seeing other providers, my my PCP on a regular basis?
1: Yeah, so definitely seeing your PCP on a regular basis, I think, is important just in general. Um, Part of that is because we know patients with Crohn's disease and their mental health are are often coincided, and, and that adds a definite layer of complexity. And us as gastroenterologists, I'll be the first to admit that my ability to help people with their mental health is... Um, You know, my training is just inadequate in in that, and I definitely feel helpless. Uh, So, definitely working with your PCP, your mental health providers are something that's really important. And then it really depends on other things that Crohn's and ulcerative colitis can affect. We use this term extra intestinal manifestations, which is really, you know, what parts of the body outside of my gut can Crohn's and ulcerative colitis affect? So, that's things like your eyes and your joints and your skin. So, I'd say the three most common doctors in addition to those mental health providers for IBD doctors are rheumatologists for your joints, dermatologists for your skin, and ophthalmologists for your eyes. And then depending on how bad things are, you may or may need to see one of our friendly colorectal surgeons. Um, But again, this is really case by case, uh, individualized and quote unquote, personalized medicine.
0: All right, we're going to get to surgery in a moment here. But um, you mentioned these other specialists. Are there other non-GI tests that I should alert my other providers that I need to get now that I've been diagnosed with inflammatory bowel disease?
1: Yeah, those are great questions and and some of this is to help us determine, you know where is the inflammation located. You know, a standard colonoscopy and endoscopy misses almost all of the the small intestine. And you know, just as a reminder, there's over twenty feet of small intestines, and I can promise you our scopes are definitely not that long. so, We can miss a whole bunch in your small intestine there. So that might be a CT scan, an MRI, or a pill camera test um, are all ways we can evaluate that small bowel that we just can't get to with our standard procedures that you have at our endocenters.
0: What about flu shots and other vaccinations, healthcare maintenance, things that I need to be more aware of now that I have this diagnosis?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So flu shots easy. Yes, um, you know the biggest thing to remember for people is that if depending on what therapy you're on, again, please ask your GI doc. So this isn't a completely a blanket statement. On average, we say we, you know, many of the biologics, you shouldn't be getting any of the live vaccines. Um, and your GI doctor and your PCP can talk to you about which vaccines are are those live vaccines. But otherwise, there's shots like pneumonia, shingles that oftentimes we do recommend for our patients. Um, and then one of the big conversations I talk to about with all of my pregnant women is what the baby can get to. And, and, you know, that's a whole other conversation. I feel like we could have a whole podcast just on pregnancy and IVD.
0: Yeah, there you go. We got our next topic right there. Appreciate that, Jenna. Anytime. <laughs> you mentioned colorectal surgery uh, a few moments ago. If me as a patient with Crohn's disease or ulcer colitis, and I know obviously there's a lot of nuances here, but patients often ask me, "Will I ever need surgery?"
1: Yeah, that's a that's a great question, and and hidden in that question, because sometimes I I follow up that question with a question of the patients. Well, what do you worry about surgery? And that's when it comes out. Everyone's worried about a stoma or a bag, and mm-hmm. you know all of the things that go along that. That's oftentimes what people's concern really is. And, you know, um, that's never our hope for for any patient. Um, the one thing I, I want to get people to know is sometimes surgery is the right thing to do. And it doesn't mean that medications failed. Sometimes it's just your disease has failed, you know, particularly with Crohn's disease. I talked to patients about the difference between active inflammation, and irreversible bowel damage, meaning, I don't care what medication I put you on. It's like burning your arm on on the stove or something like that, that scars there forever. And the intestines is no different. And sometimes surgery is the only way to reset the clock there. So for for Crohn's disease, I would say surgery is much more common than ulcerative colitis. Um, But for ulcerative colitis, it kind of often depends on how bad, how inflamed your disease is. And we obviously take that on a case by case basis.
0: So so, yeah, so if there's more scarring, for example, that's again, not getting too detailed, but it's not as much active inflammation that we can subdue with the medication and it's just scarred or fibrosed or stuck colon or intestines, then that may be a surgical correction there.
1: Absolutely. And sometimes it's just because there is no medication. I think the thing that I'm looking forward to as an IBD doctor and there are people actively looking at this is if we could figure out a medication to reverse scar tissue and Crohn's disease. I think that's going to be the big game changer. But I, I think we're a while away from that.
0: Yeah, that I mean, that would be a huge game changer. Jen, I intentionally did not get into dietary and fitness advice because, yes, in the initial consultation, I would have definitely asked you, what can I eat? What should I do? How can I change my lifestyle? Um, I, I avoided that into this episode because one, for the duration, the length of the episode, and also I've done recent episodes on that. But this was fantastic Um, as both a patient and a provider. I always feel like I'm, I'm learning from you and I appreciate your time and we already have our next topic ready. So we'll, we'll record again in the future.
1: Sounds great. Looking forward to it.